the mistake that we made is that we didn't ask the marketplace what they really wanted. We just start to, to you know, to build or to, to do what we thought. And so what I really try and drill into people and encourage them to do is go out and have those conversations. You don't have to be face to face. You can jump on a, on a call. You can, you know, pick up the phone and call someone. You can start by doing some email, but essentially what you want to do is you want to gather data. You want to not just use your own assumptions. You want to take those assumptions, develop, develop a hypothesis and then validate it. And you validate it by asking questions because at some point you're going to need to talk to that person. You're going to need to get someone to, to buy. Well, why not just find out what they actually want right. and then offer it to them, right? That's when sales becomes not only much easier, but more fun. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am really excited to bringing you uh, someone who reached out to us or one of his people did, um, a guy by the name of Michael Zabersky. He runs a business called Consulting Success. He's written three or four books, has all sorts of information on the internet about consulting and how to grow an online consulting business. He talks about how he's done this over the last 11 years uh, for this business and many others previously. He started um, as a teenager, starting his first business and developing it and growing it. And like I know I'm a number of our leaders listening, you know, the whole imposter syndrome, you know, how can I go and be successful in the world? What do I know? We actually spend a bunch of time on the imposter syndrome. We talk about the ways his, his business helps people and a, and a lot of the knowledge that he's learned over the years. I know you're going to love the uh, conversation we had, and you know what I'm up to. I'm, I'm up to finding young leaders. We are actively involved in our campaign to recruit an incredible group of young leaders for the season of 2021. So if you know of anyone, please reach out to me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You could go and send someone to the leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. You could send them information about our, our website at studentworks.com or send them to our podcast just to hear about what we're creating. Um, and we are having an incredible season despite the pandemic and we are growing. Uh, unlike so many businesses, our business seems to be pandemic proof um, and just the incredible leaders that we have just fighting through and their tenacity and hard work is making all the difference. So thank you very much for tuning into uh, the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast today and enjoy this podcast. Have a fantastic day. Well, welcome, Michael. Uh, I'm really excited to have you on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's really great. I really love and I'm really, gonna, I'm really excited to dig in to what you are working on around consulting and consulting success. One of the big things that jumps up for our audience and the group of 20-year-olds, because I think a whole lot of the things that you're working on will really excite them, but it's like the whole space of imposter syndrome. How can I think that I could be a consultant when, you know, what do I know? So, so how do you get to that, you know, when we're speaking to these 20-year-olds and, and, and thinking about setting up their own 
consultancy? Yeah, it's a great question. It's certainly an issue that uh, I dealt with, mm-hmm. you know, early on building my businesses, both um, in North America and also when I was establishing my business in Japan. I was working with some very large organizations, and I was the youngest person in that room by far. And yeah. you know, I didn't speak the language all that well at that time, so I, I certainly uh, asked myself that question quite often. You know, I think the big thing is to not focus on, you know, what you do or what you don't. You know, but let me rephrase that: is don't compare yourself. So. You know, imposter syndrome comes from when you start comparing yourself and you think, well, how can I really help here? I'm not the best-selling author. Or I'm not yeah. the person on the stages. or I don't have as much money as this person that I'm speaking with. I'm not as old as they am. Okay. You know, it's, there's, the grass is always greener. But the reality is that you're having a conversation with someone and it, or if you're having a conversation with someone, right, it's because you have value to add. Right. And uh, you might be younger. You might be you might have less formal education. But if you can add value for that person, then that's all that matters. Right. Uh, you know, you might be, let's say, talking to a CEO of an organ of a big organization. They're older than you. They have more money than you. They have more experience, more education. But let's just say, maybe you, you know how to manage social media. You know how to drive traffic. You know how to get people's attention. You know how to you know to use technology. Well, that person may not. Right. And so it doesn't matter how many years of experience they have in other areas. It doesn't matter how much money they have in the bank. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young. You know, none of that stuff matters. What matters is can you provide value to that person? And so if you are someone listening, you know, to this right now and you're going, well, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough. Yeah. Just focus on what are you good at? You know, what do people ask you questions about? Uh, what are you passionate about? Where, you know, where are you really knowledgeable? And that's the area that you can lean into because as long as you can provide value, mm-hmm. then you can exchange that value for compensation. I love that. I love that. So really what you're saying is, is that if we're asking ourselves those questions, it's our dark side. It's kind of like, oh, you know, I'm going down my left road. Oh, think, thinking bad thoughts. We're, we're no, no, no. Just really all that matters is, can I help this person? Simple as that. Like, yes. you know, so it's like the multimillionaire, uh, you know, when I was young, um, uh, I used to shovel people snow and, and do their gardening. Right. And I was a local high school kid and, and again, doing it for multimillionaires, but I provided value. They were very happy with my services. You know, there's a small context. I don't need to think about, oh, I'm somehow better than them or more knowledgeable than no, I'm providing services. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the grass is always greener, right? So you can always look at someone and say, oh, they're older than I am. Mm-hmm. And you could, you could compare that and go, okay, well, that's a negative for me and a positive for them because they have more experience, but actually flip it around because younger in some cases can actually be of, of greater benefit. Definitely. Likewise, you can, you can say, and I've heard clients say this over the years where, oh, I'm in a small town, you know, very small population. It's going to be hard for me to succeed. You know, the people in, in big cities, they have an advantage. Well, not really. Right. So every situation, you can always choose to focus on the negative in it and look at what can hold you back. Or you can just recognize that it's easy to make excuses, but really where people see success is by continuing to moving forward, regardless of their circumstance. The grass is always greener, but you you can be young, you can be old, you can be in a small town, you can be in a big town. It doesn't, none of that stuff matters. All that matters is, you know, are you committed to achieve? Are you committed to success? Are you going to continue you know, focusing on uh, on taking action and providing value to people. And as long as you really focus on value, you will achieve uh, success. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I love that. I love that. So actually, why don't we sort of dig into just, you know, your history, because you are a really young entrepreneur, not that you're not old now, but you're a real young entrepreneur, like these the people listening here, you know, making real strides in unique ways. So why don't you share what that was like, and what you were able to create? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I had a, I guess, a, a unique perspective. Um, yeah, my first business started just between high school and and going into college, mm-hmm. and even before then, you know, I've I've been fairly entrepreneurial from a young age, helping my stepfather in his electronic store and just doing a whole bunch of of stuff. But that was my first kind of real business that I started with my cousin and business partner Sam. Even to this day, we've we've built and sold multiple businesses together over the years. And it was a web design and kind of development company back in the early days of of that. Yes. Uh, and it was just an experience of you know working with different types of organizations. Sam was the creative guy and the design guy, and he took care of that side of it. And I was really the, the guy that worked with clients, did the communications, thought about the business, the marketing, uh, and we kind of parlayed that into another business that we started, which was a consulting business. Right. And that was really focused much more on visual design, so things like logos, brochures, visual identities, and so forth. And I ended up actually going over to Japan. I was doing an exchange program. Uh, through university, I went over there, and I, I wasn't very interested in in studies. You know, I, I never really was. Uh, right. The sport, sports was always my background from, you know, as young as I can remember to probably grade ten or eleven. Everything I did was sports, and then something clicked. I went on a trip overseas, and I just I started to get more into art. But sports was my background. Studies never never was. So I just re- really leaned into this idea of of business and creating businesses. And so when I went over to Japan while I was studying. There, as a full-time student, I, I was really focused on building the business, and so I ended up mm-hmm. working with a bunch of different companies over there. Uh, later on, establishing a branch office for our business, uh, which morphed more into marketing as well as doing visual designs. And we worked with some very large Japanese organizations, helping them to take their products and services into English-speaking marketplaces. And I think this is, you know, maybe as a lesson for the younger people listening to this. It's always about finding opportunity. Yeah. Like when I went to Japan, people always ask me, you know, Mike, Michael, how did you work with companies like Panasonic and Dow Jones and Financial Times and Sumitomo and a whole bunch? Like these are very large organizations. How, how could you do that? And I said, well, here's what I did. I, I thought, okay, what can I do to get into these organizations? How can I kind of establish myself in a country where I have no real connections? And I went and I found a list online of different graphic design companies in Japan and I sent them emails. So I sent probably 25 or 30 emails. I only got two responses. I was sending it, you know, sending emails in, in English. Yes. My Japanese at that point still was not very good. And I got two responses and I met with both of those companies when I went over to Osaka, Japan. I hit it off with one of the, the guys right away. Uh, and that just instantly created a, a bond, a relationship that, you know, took me into these different organizations. And he introduced me to different people and they introduced me to different people. Right. And it was all about the relationships. But if I wouldn't have taken that action, if I wouldn't have thought, okay, I'm going to find a list. I'm going to send emails. Like, I don't know these people, Yeah. but I just took that action. And Chris, what's interesting about this is if I look back at, you know, really where I've kind of like a principle of, of success that for myself is once I identify something that I want to do, then I just, I go at it. Like I remember back in the day when I wanted to, to land a job because I wanted to travel overseas, even before college, I would open up the yellow pages, right? Some people might remember that, that big, thick book, right? That you put like a, a monitor on to, to, to raise it up. And I would just open up to a section like landscaping. And I would just page by page call every single company on there until I'd be like, hey, um, just wondering if you're hiring right now. No, okay. Hey, just wondering if you're hiring right now. Like over and over and over again until someone said, yeah, we are. Okay, when can you start? Uh, I don't know, tomorrow? Okay, good. Boom. Like that's how I would get a job is just just taking that kind of action. And so that's, definitely played out throughout my life. So back to Japan, I took that action by reaching out to companies, you know, got a response, went over there, had meetings, found ways that I could provide value. And so, you know, with Japan, when I went in there, it was all about like, I could, I definitely had that whole 
imposter syndrome because here I am, I'm in my early 20s. Yeah. I'm starting to work and consult and advise, you know, billion dollar organizations. I'm the youngest guy in the room by far. I remember going and sweating, sitting around boardroom meetings. My Japanese was slowly improving, but, but still not that great at that point. But what I always leaned into was what advantage do I have? And so even though I had you know, less experience, less money, less, you, you name it, yeah. what I had that they didn't is I understood the English speaking market better than most of them. Did, yes. Right. Because I was part of it. Yeah. I was kind of me. Yeah. Uh, I would never go in and try and tell a Japanese company how to sell to the Japanese marketplace because there's too many nuances. Like, you know, who am I to do that? Yeah. But right away, that was my advantage, right? Is that it didn't matter my age. It didn't matter my quote unquote experience. What they cared about was that I could provide some unique insights, which was value for them about something that, that they didn't have. And so back to kind of how we started this whole conversation around imposter syndrome, right? The grass is always greener. Sure. But focus on, you know, where can you provide value yeah. uh, that is at, at a higher level? It doesn't have to be at the highest level in the world. Right? Don't compare yourself. Yeah to the authors, to the speakers, to the people that are miles ahead of you, you know, that are, that are the top, that are the most visible. Just compare yourself to the, to the average of what's out there. If you can be better than the average, then that's a great place to start and build from. Yeah. The other thing as well, and something that you did is you broke in on digital and marketing. And so that was a new thing for our young leaders decades ago. And so Correct. what typically young people will do is they'll break in in things that are new. Again, social media used to be very new. Now there's parts of social media that are new. And so, so those things that are new that, again, the 50-year-old CEO, 40-year-old CEO have no clue how this works. You know, um, And so how do I know this? Like I remember one of our former alumni, very successful. He was selling RBC, one of the huge Canadian banks, and on websites and they didn't know how to judge his websites properly you know like cuz they were it was so new and so basically he fixed one of the vp's fax machines they went well he must know stuff cuz you know cuz they didn't know how to fix their fax machines either right. so it's just all this sort of stuff new things young people have a big advantage for sure yeah and, and it's about value like in that, in that fax situation some people are probably listening going what what's a fax machine yes, Chris? exactly like, good point is right <laughs> But, you know, what he did was, or that person, he or she did was they went in and they, they fixed a problem that someone had. They added value. Mm -hmm. And then right away, when you can add value for someone, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't yeah. matter who you are. It doesn't yeah. matter, you know, your gender, your religion. Like, none of those things matter. What matters is, did you provide value? Yes. And when value is, you know, received by someone, they appreciate that. And that now goes to someone, okay, this per person has proved themselves. How else can they help me? Right. Yeah. How else can I benefit in working with them? And that's where opportunity is created, but you have to take that first step and face fears that you may have to go out there and put yourself in a position where you're able to provide value. That's awesome. So speaking about value, I would love if you could share like, how are you providing value in the world today in the businesses that you run? Yeah. So uh, we work at Consulting Success. We work with two groups of, of people. The first are those that are getting into the world of consulting. And so just let me, let me uh, define because there's many different ways to look at consulting. We work with independent and small consulting firms. So typically that either might be a solo individual all, or up to a, a person with 10, 15 you know, employees and, and team members. So we're not talking about the McKinsey's or the, the Boston Consulting Groups right. or the Accentures of, of this world. And so we, for the last 20 years, I've been building consulting businesses for the last 11. We've been working with consultants all around the world in different industries helping them to do really two things. The first, 
is to transition and kind of get into consulting. These are typically people that already have some form of, of experience, some expertise. They're good at what they do. They know they can provide value, mm-hmm. but where their challenge is, they don't know how to build a consulting business. So they're good at doing the work, right. but they don't actually necessarily know how to build a business, how to uh, structure their, their business model, their messaging, get real clarity on who they should focus on in terms of an ideal client, how to price their services, how to deliver those effectively, how to how to grow. So the first group is really about getting into the business of consulting and starting a successful consulting business. The second is those that, who are already consulting. They've been doing it for you know a number of years, but they, they've they've stalled or they've plateaued and they want to get to that next level. Right. And so we have kind of two groups in terms of what we do. One is a, a program, an online program for people that are new to consulting. And then the other is a coaching program where we work very closely in a customized way with consultants that really want to rapidly grow their business and and create not just more income, but more impact, more freedom, and just a lot more you know potential um, and to, to support the lifestyle. We're, we're big believers in that business should support your lifestyle, not your lifestyle having to support your business. Love it. Love it. And I love the model. It's like the preliminary model is is kind of like, here's what you need to know to win in this business, right? And there's sort of a, you know, this is the fee structure. And then I know as well, you said, hey, you have access to that forever so that you, you know, here's all the information that you have. And so it's kind of, in some ways, it's kind of like a franchise, except without the ongoing fee. It's just like, boom, here's what it is. And these are all the things you need to know. Like for me, one of the biggest things about success in life is all these things I needed to know so that I could make my business win. Right. And again, obviously then people need to fine tune it, but there's a lot of things that you really can help people jump over and win at. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really where it came from. So the, the backstory behind this is when we started Consulting Success, we didn't have a monetization plan behind it. We were just writing articles and sharing our experiences of what it's like to grow a consulting business, the successes, but also a lot of the failures are, as I just like to call them, like learning experiences, right? what, what it was like to, to fall down or to be in Japan feeling like I'm, you know, I'm going to throw up because of this mistake that was made and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I just want to share with people so they wouldn't have to, to make those same errors and they could see success faster. And people said, hey, you know, really love your articles. Do you guys have a, a course? Right. Well, no, we didn't. Yes. But we decided then to build one. So we created one many years ago and we've continued to update it. And our most recent one is what you're referring to called Momentum, which is for new consultants getting into the business. And that's the one that, that provides lifetime access for people. But then later on, people said, okay, this is a really great, you know, course that you have. It's, it's helped me to grow my business. I'm now at six figures, so on and so on. Uh, but how can I work you know, more closely with you? Do you have coaching to, to support me and even raise my growth to a higher level? We didn't have a, a coaching program. So we, we built one, right? right? We developed one. And so now for the last many years, I mean, that's really what we've been doing. We, we have a podcast for consultants. We have lots of free articles, videos, webinars. We, you know, we put out, um, we have three best-selling books on, on consulting, so we put out a lot of content. I mean, that's that's the value that we give to the world, to the community, whether or not someone decides to engage in terms of compensation and buy something that we have, we, we lead with value. We give as much as we can out there just to help people. Right. But what's happened as a result of doing that over time is that people then go, okay, well, this is really great, you know, free information. Imagine what, you know, this paid program would be like. And yeah. then they sign up for that. And then they go, okay, this is a really great program. My business is now moving forward. I would actually like a little bit more support and to have a customized plan. Well, okay, I'm going to look at that coaching. And so we've seen that progression over time as we've really focused on delivering value first. Yeah, that that really is a really unique 
way of looking at things. Or, well, sorry, maybe it isn't as unique now, but it, it used to be. It, it was really quite a unique strategy. Um, you know, decades ago, it's really started to become more and more normalized, and it just so works. Here, you know, just try this out. Here's all these amazing ideas. Here's all these amazing ideas, yeah. and then people can really get to know whether your services could really have an impact, right, for them. Yeah. I mean, I think, Chris, this is a really important point, right, that the younger me probably didn't recognize as much, like in my early 20s. And I think even, you know, it's not even about age. When I talk to clients that are in their 40s or 50s, they still have this, this scarcity mindset, yes. right? this belief yeah. that, that you have to hold back, right? You have to save the good stuff just for people that are you know, paying you, engaging with you, and so forth. But, but here's one thing I really want to share with everyone. It's an observation that I would say is time tested over, you know, a couple of decades now is that give, you know, give as much value as you can. Don't worry about, you know, that somebody might take one of your ideas and run with it because in business ideas aren't what put money in the bank. They're not, you know, ideas are good. It's it's great to have new ideas and creativity is very important, but it's execution, right? There's a lot of people that know things, a lot of people that have great ideas, but the vast majority of those people never do anything with them. So don't worry about somebody taking one of your ideas and running with it and you know, going off and building what you're thinking about. Because if you're spending too much time protecting your idea and just thinking about your idea, it means you're not spending enough time doing it. And if you're not doing it, right, then you're not going to actually see success. And so one, if you uh, look at the best practices right, around the world, there's a reason why very successful people write books. Yeah. And not everyone who writes a book is successful, but think about a book for a moment, right? In a book, an author, if it's a good book, they'll give away a lot of information, yes. right? So much that you could take that and you could actually use it to, to build your business or to further your career or whatever it is in any aspect of your life. There's a whole book, hundreds of pages, right, of information. Why would they give that away, right? Why would they give that away if they, you know, somebody could just take it and implement it? Why? Because they know that most people that, for example, buy a book don't even read the whole book. Yes. Far fewer people actually take that book and act on it. Yeah. But the person that takes information and, and tries to do everything themselves is different than the type of person that, for example, buys a book and then uh, just reaches out to the author saying, hey, I need your help. Because for them, the priority and is is time, right? Uh, yes. More successful people recognize that the time is, their, is like the, the scarcest resource. And so they don't want to spend all the time trying to figure things out themselves. They're going to go to somebody to get help so they can just see a result faster. So by putting information out there, you're going to actually see more people coming to you because more people then know what it is that you do, right? You'll get greater distribution, greater visibility. And the people who want to take that information and run with it, let them, right? It's, you're, you're helping those people. And at some point, what will probably happen, even with those people, is they're going to try out what they learn from you. Uh, and they'll see that they're maybe they still need some additional help to get even better results. But regardless, they weren't going to buy from you at that moment anyways. Yeah. But the people who now see what it is that you're offering and it does resonate with them and they go, yeah, I don't want to try and figure this out myself. I don't want to you know, make the mistakes. I just want to you know, get this knowledge from the source and get their help to, to implement or guidance and so forth. Those are the people that become your clients, become your customers. But that can't happen if you're holding uh, everything inside, right? So rather than having the scarcity mindset, what you want to adopt is the abundance mindset. Yeah. Just knowing the more you put out, there's a lot more. There's more money than anyone can ever have. There's more yeah. clients and customers than any one person can ever have. So just put stuff out there. That is how you you start to really gain greater visibility and authority and credibility, you know, in terms of market share and just people knowing who you are that actually then want to buy your products or services from you. 
Yeah, it, it, the law of reciprocity bumps up to that. It's like the more I give, the more people come back. And it's like people then read your book and say, wow, you know, you know so much, Michael. Oh, I'd love to share stuff with you. Could we talk? And then all of a sudden, right. you know, that impacts, you know, good karma. And profit follows value. That's the other thing always to remember, right? We give value and profit will, will turn. Just trust the process. Again, it's really easy to sort of worry about again, the negative or, you know, Hey, because there will be some people who take and maybe even rip off your book and don't pay you anything. Right. So, but that's okay. You know, that's not where the market exists because I think you've really accurately described where the market exists is people are making money are doing well. And then how do I shortcut this? We need a service provider to help, right? Like that's, you know, we need somebody who's a, who's an expert here. Yeah, I mean, take take the, the painting business, right? It's like someone could go and try and paint their whole house themselves. Yes, right? they they could they could try and study on YouTube and read a yep. book and figure it out. Like, how do you strip paint yep. and how do you you know remove the stuff and and sand it down and then how do you apply? Like, sure, you could do that, but it, is that worth your time? And yes. So for a lot of people, it's not, which is why right They're they, they come to people like you, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Uh, so that that is applied to every industry out there. No, that's awesome. So. You know, when you think about, I know one of the things you you talk about is the six principles of running a su- successful virtual consultancy. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this is connected to, to a post in a podcast episode that I did a while back, where I pretty much just broke down some of the the principles that we use to run our business while traveling, you know, the world. So I, not right now with COVID, and obviously, but before. Yes, exactly. I spent a lot of time with my family uh, just traveling, and so you know, it, it's in the business. That we set up was intentionally set up this way so that we could work from anywhere in the world. Right. The principles that I'll, may I'll share a few of them here. Sure. Uh, just time so forth. But so, you know, one of the big ones is less is more. Uh, oftentimes people believe that, that to create more success or to create more, more revenue, more profit, that you need to have more products, more services. And I've actually observed that it's, that it's the opposite, that if you want to grow, that you need fewer things to grow well, because the more you, the more things you add on, the more complexity you create. Yeah. So as an example, in the consulting business or anyone providing services, I often see people having, you know, they'll have like 10 or 15 different things they can offer to, to the marketplace. And they think that the more things they have, then the more opportunities they're going to create. But it, it works the exact opposite in, in my observation that to build, you know, in the consulting business, you just need like one to three different offerings to build a million dollar business. You don't right. need more than that. Right. So having more than that just creates like unnecessary complexity that will actually slow you down. And so that's one principle is just getting very clear on what is the business model that supports the lifestyle that you have and that you want to have. Uh, and then how you can really hone in on just, you know, the essential, the core that is going to create the, the success that you want. You don't need probably as much as you think you need to do that. Right. That's number one. Number two is systems. And I know, yes. Chris, this will be a big one for you, right, in, yeah. in your business. But uh, if you want to create scale or you want to create leverage, meaning that you can benefit from you know, something, an asset that you've, you've built or established multiple times over, so you're not recreating and customizing you know, as you go forward, then you need systems. You need processes. You identify how it is that you go about doing something. You document it. And then you run that so that you're not having to, again, customize and re- recreate over and over. So we do that from everything to our marketing, to how we onboard new clients, to how we work with clients. We have systems for all these different things. Right. So we don't have to you know, think, okay, well, what do we do now with this client? Or, oh, okay, well, we have to send them these 12 different emails manually, right? That's all connected to technology or some automation. And we onboard people, for example, that way. And so that saves us a lot of time. And you might go, 
like the, you know, the new entrepreneur says, well, yeah, it's just faster for me to do this thing myself uh, rather than trying to hire someone or to spend money on that. But they're not, they're, they're thinking short term. When you apply that long term, it might just be one client or one new customer right now. But if you're doing that over and over and over and over again, right, that really adds up. And that now eats up a lot of time you could be spending either building your business or with family or doing things that, that you enjoy. So systems is another big one. And maybe the, the third that I'll just mention for now is team, right? A lot of new entrepreneurs, I believe, are really hesitant to bring on contractors or their team members because they see it as a cost, right? Yeah. They see it as, well, again, I can just, it's faster for me to do this myself than to train somebody else. And I remember to, for myself early in my uh, consulting business years, I said, no, no, I'm going to wait until I get you know, the next client or until my revenue gets to 10,000 a month or whatever is before I go out and hire other people or even just use contractors. And that was a really foolish decision because again, I was thinking short term. What I was doing is I was looking at hiring someone. Again, it could be a full-time, could be a contractor, could be a freelancer, but I was looking at it as a cost, as an expense. Yeah. But in fact, it's an investment yes. because uh, if you bring someone, you identify, it could be in any area of your business, you can find really good people from anywhere from $10 to $50 per hour. Now, some people might be going, well, that's a lot of money per hour. But if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to go way beyond that in terms of your hourly value, even if you're not charging by the hour, which is something that for consultants, I typically don't recommend that, that they do. But you know, let's just say that your, your value becomes $500 an hour, right. right? Which is very, very possible. Well, every hour that you're spending doing work that is valued at even $50 an hour means that you're losing $450 for that time. Right. So instead, by putting someone else to, to take over that, not only can they likely do it better after a while, and they'll probably enjoy doing it more than you will, it now frees you up to, again, go and create more money or more revenue, more opportunity, because you can now focus on those higher value tasks. And so, you know, when I was, for example, in, in Spain with my wife and, and daughter, now I have two kids, uh, but at that time, like, you know, I could be off doing things because I, I wasn't worried about, well, who needs to onboard this new client right now, or who's jumping on the, on the sales conversation or who's doing the marketing because those things, that team is already in place, right. which creates more freedom for me. So those are just three of, of the six, but hopefully that, that adds some value for people. No, it certainly does. And, and one of the things as well as I love is, is that when you're building your life that way, your life is working. So you're not getting overwhelmed. You're not getting tired. You're not getting run down. Yeah. And so you know, really one of the things you talk about is just about, again, this idea that I can run my business virtually, I can run my business anywhere. And, and, and that was something as well that intrigued me. So how is that really possible? Like, how's that really possible over time zones? And so how do you really manage that to, to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, this is actually one of the other um, points in, in, a, in that six kind of points that I was sharing. And okay. one of them is, is sacrifices, mm -hmm. right? It's, essentially being willing to to adjust things. So for example, when I'm in Japan, because I'll spend time there every year typically, you know, I might start my calls at 5 a.m. Okay. Right. So that means I'm getting up at 4 30 or whatever it is and I'm I'm going to the kitchen and I'm making a coffee and I'm you know I'm, I'm half awake and I sit down and I talk to a client that's let's say in the US at that at that at that moment. Right. Well that's a sacrifice, right? It means that maybe the night before I'm I have to go to bed a little bit earlier. So I make changes. When I'm in Europe, I remember being in Barcelona, my wife and daughter they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. right? I'm sitting at the kitchen, the dining room table, doing group calls with, with clients. Sure, I'd like to be able to, you know, having a beer down down the street or whatever it is, or you know, doing something else. But that's what I'm doing. That's that's part of running the business. That's you know, the model that was established. So, you know, I think flexibility and also just getting very clear about what kind of business you want to run because technology can support you. We, I mean, we have clients that literally 
all around the world in all different time zones. Uh, and so whether I'm in Australia or I'm in you know, somewhere in Europe or I'm in, in Asia, it doesn't really matter. I'll make some adjustments. Clients make some adjustments, but it just becomes or it's really all about how we structure things and we structure them so that it works for us. Uh, but it's really no different than sending some emails or doing what you and I are doing right now, which is jumping onto a Zoom call right. uh, before Zoom, right? I was doing Skype calls with people. Right. Um, and so technology is really powerful, right? When you when you leverage it, when you use it. And this is what I always say to, to clients uh, and you know new entrepreneurs is get very clear about like, what you want to create. What business do you want to be in? What's the lifestyle that you want to have? Because the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship and business is that you truly can create whatever you want. Right. The mistake that I see so many people making is that they look at someone else in the marketplace and go, well, I guess this is how it has to be done. And then they start to build their business around the way that somebody else has structured their business. But that might not be right for you. Right. So get clear on about what is meaningful for you and then build your business model around that so it supports the lifestyle that you want to have. And if that means that you want to travel with family or with a spouse or, or just yourself and work, great, do that. If that means that you really like to work very closely with people, you know, in person, we'll you know do that. Obviously, when you can, it's hard to do it right now with COVID. But right, I think you know what I'm getting. At. Like, it really comes down to getting clear about what you want. And so, rather than building a business and just waking up in one day and going like, "Well, this is not really what I want to be doing. I'm not enjoying it. It's, it's. I'm really having a sacrifice on my lifestyle to support the business, rather than you know setting structuring the business so that it supports your lifestyle. And of course, there will be some sacrifices and compromises and things of that nature. But that's all just part of, of life. Well, I love how how really clear you are, you know, and so many entrepreneurs aren't, and I get it because, you know, certainly when I was in my 20s, I just wanted to make it. Like, I just wanted to make it. You know, I, I want to yeah. win, you know, and probably at, at times I was willing to do way, way, way too much, not ethically, but in terms of working and working and working. Yeah. So it's really, it's really powerful to sort of think about, again, how do I want my life to set up and working towards that? So, you know, one of, one of the things about your, you know, you've got work, like you're mentioning all these places. I, I've been to a number of them. I love Barcelona, but anyhow, never done business there. So how do you market and get business in all these different markets? How does that work? Uh, so there's two parts to that. The first is that when I go to these places, like for, for example, a recent trip, um, I went, the four of us, we were in, in Australia for a month. Um, and while I actually saw some clients and, and colleagues in both Melbourne and, uh, and Sydney when I was there, I, I didn't go there for the purpose of business, right? right? Like there, there, was, there was some business connections uh, and new opportunities and, and all that kind of stuff. But when I typically travel with my family, it's not to necessarily go and do business in those places. It's to go and have an experience in those places and then connect that to business opportunities. Because the reality is that our clients are all around the world. So it doesn't matter where I am right. uh, or it doesn't matter where the client is. We're, we're still doing the work, the work that we're going to be doing. So, but it's not the first part, but in terms of how we attract uh, a worldwide kind of clientele, um, it's, we've leveraged, you know, the web for a long time. So, you know, going back now about 11 years since, from when we started Consulting Success, we put out a lot of content. You know, right. we have about a thousand articles probably on our website. We have a, a podcast that's been around for a while that gets, you know, over 20,000, I think it's 27,000 people each month downloading it. We have right. a 35,000 person email list. So we know we have lots of videos out there. So we've just been very focused on putting stuff out there. Right. And through the power of the web, that's a beautiful thing that people are able to tap in and define that information. And so I think what's led to our clients literally being in you know every continent, um, maybe aside from Antarctica, 
right. you know, reaching out to us because it's not that we intentionally said, yeah, we, we want to go and get clients from Australia or New Zealand or, you know, Egypt, like people from those countries find what we're doing and then they reach out or they become, you know, they sign up to our email list and they read the emails and they start consuming different things that we have. And then at some point when the time is right for them, they kind of raise their hand and get in touch and, or buy something from our site. And, um, and that's kind of where, where things work, work or connect. Right. That is neat. That is really neat. And so how do you focus and develop offers that align and resonate with your ideal clients? Talk to your ideal clients. You find out what they actually want. So that, you know, early on, Chris, I made a mistake. Um, both my cousin Sam and I, we were developing a new business. Right. And we invested about $20,000 at that time, a little bit over, uh, into developing a new kind of web application. It was going to be essentially a uh, kind of like a social network for marketing creative professionals. So think like LinkedIn, but just for marketing creative people. And this was, you know, back in the day, $20,000 was a lot more than it is, you know, now in some ways. But we we poured in like all of our ideas and we kept pushing the developers that we had hired to add more and more features to make it better. Right. The problem was, Chris, is that we never asked the marketplace, like, what do you actually want? Okay. And so when we released it, the first thing we found out very quickly is from the people that we had kind of you know signed up as some beta users to be part of the community is they said, listen, 95% of what you want is no, of no value to it. This 5%, this one little aspect of what you have is what we really want more of. And so that actually, they wanted more job opportunities. And so we completely restructured that website into being in, not about a community to be much more about a job portal. And so we created a website called freshgigs.ca. And it was the kind of the largest marketing and creative job site in Canada at that time, several years later than it was acquired. But uh, back to the point of, of, of what you're asking, which is the mistake that we made is that we didn't ask the marketplace what they really wanted. We just start to, to, you know, to build or to, to do what we thought. And so what I really try and drill into people and encourage them to do is go out and have those conversations. You don't have to be face-to-face. You can jump on a, on a call. You can you know, pick up the phone, call someone. You can start by doing some email. But essentially, what you want to do is you want to gather data. You want to not just use your own assumptions. You want to take those assumptions, develop, develop a hypothesis, and then validate it. And you validate it by asking questions. Because at some point, you're going to need to talk to that person. You're going to need to get someone to, to buy. Well, why not just find out what they actually want right. and then offer it to them? Right. That, that's when sales becomes not only much easier, but more fun, right? right? That the pressure that people don't like around sales is because they don't like to feel like they're, they're, they're pushing someone and getting someone to do something that they don't, don't want to do. Well, people don't like to be sold to, but people do like to buy. Right. So when you can figure out what it is that they want, and then you simply offer it to them, it becomes right, a very easy and just more enjoyable experience. So that's really what I would encourage people to do is to have conversations, find out what is working for someone, what's missing, what they like to see more of, what is the biggest problem they're having? What would be valuable? Why would it be valuable? Have you thought about this? How about that? Right. You know, you just have a whole kind of collaborative conversation. And through doing that, then you get very clear about, well, what's the opportunity? What do people really want? Then you can develop it, you can offer it, and you can sell it. Right, right. And so how soon in that process, like how long is that a process for you, for our leaders, you know, before you're actually asking for money to sort of see, hey, would you buy a service like that? How soon in, in your process? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it could be a matter of just weeks. Like, it doesn't have to be a very long time. Yeah. But the big thing is how quickly you're going to take action. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of people who will listen to that and go, "Yeah, that's a nice idea that, that Chris and Michael are talking about here. I'm going to think about it a little bit. Let me just kind of write some stuff down. I'm going to read a few more books. I'm going to, you know, think about it a little bit more. 
months go by, some case years, yeah. and they've never taken action on that idea. Why? Because there's a bit of fear around going out and having that conversation with someone they don't know or, or they don't want to appear you know, too kind of novice and too early. They don't want to make any mistakes. Well, the reason why, like I remember early on, Chris, I would look at people who I thought were intellectually less superior, right? Right. So they, they didn't have the same level of education. Like I just thought they were smarter than I, than I or sorry, I should say, but I was smarter than, than they were. Right. And I was not a good student, but I just looked at certain people and said like, how are they so successful? And what I recognized is that it doesn't matter how smart you are. Yeah. It doesn't even matter about like how much you kind of know intellectually, right? You could read lots of books, you can study, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, where success happens is when you go out and take action. Yeah. And so the reason why some people, this is why like it levels the playing field. You don't have to have all the degrees. You don't have to have all, all these things. You don't have to be at this age and all that. But if you take action, you go out there. Well, that's where you learn, yeah. right? And if you make a mistake, great, because now you're one step closer to actually learning what works. And so the people that go out there and just take action, they're not afraid to make some mistakes. In fact, they expect that they're going to, but they're just going to go out there. They're going to test their hypothesis firsthand, you know, in real time, get all that feedback. They have more data, yeah. right? They're going to make progress because you know another way to think about it is a baseball analogy, right? You can get into the Hall of Fame uh, when you strike out 70% of the time. And just think about that, right? Most people have this, this image in their minds that they have to be batting like 100% or 95%. They don't want to make mistakes. The best you know, athletes in the world fail most of the time. Yeah. And in business, it's no different, yeah. right? Business owners, we know, right? We're going to make lots of mistakes, yeah. but that's actually what makes you stronger. So don't hesitate to start getting into business or to take action because you're worried about making a mistake. In fact, recognize that it, mistakes are part of it. The more mistakes that you make, quote unquote mistakes, I just consider them to be learning experiences, yeah. right? That's part of the journey. Don't let that hold you back. Just lean into it. Go. You'll learn more than the other people you know, who are just waiting. And that's when you start to make some progress and you'll create an advantage along the way. Yeah, fail fast, fail cheaply, keep failing, you know, like that's, you know, to gain that data. And I love as well, we are so aligned around, you know, an action orientation. That's really what makes all the difference, you know, just, you know, getting, acting, moving, moving, moving. You know, one of the other things I know we're really aligned around is just because I, I, I hear it is just mindsets. You know, we, we, we share a lot of different mindsets. I think mindset training, mindsets are such an enormous part of being successful. How do you see that? You know, where do you use that in your business? You know, uh, the, the whole mindset space. And I mean, mindset, it's everything, right? And, and the reason why is it's the one thing that it's always there, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's your mind, right? Yeah. You, you wake up, you're thinking something. Yes. You can choose to wake up and go, okay, today's going to be a terrible day. Yeah. Uh, I'm so scared to do these things. Like you can just start on a negative footing yeah. and look for what's wrong in every situation. Or you can wake up and go, wow. All right, I have another day. This is I'm I'm alive. Yeah. I'm healthy. You know, I have people around me that that love me and I'm going to go out and make an impact. And I'm like you can always choose. Every single one of us has this in common. Doesn't matter where we are, where we live, our backgrounds, none of that stuff. We all choose to put on a pair of lenses every single day. Yeah. And we can either choose to put on the negative lenses and look for what's wrong. We, we can put the positive ones on and we can choose to look at what's positive, right? And just doing that intentionally when you wake up every day, just think about, you know, how do I feel today? What am I, you know, what am I thankful for? What am I grateful for? What, what do I want to create? Also, when you go to bed, same thought, yeah. what do, you know, what happened today that I can be thankful for? What can I do better tomorrow? So forth. Just doing that is going to really help going forward. But, but mindset to me is huge because especially in business, right? 
there's not a day that goes by where there's not some some challenge, right? Like sure. entrepreneurship is a roller coaster. The highs are great, right? And oftentimes we don't enjoy them as much as we should. And then all of a sudden the lows test us. And that's where mindset, you just have to, to know that, okay, this is a challenging time. I got knocked down. I'm feeling, you know, in this way, depressed, whatever it might be. Uh, but this is all part of it. Yeah. And so strengthen your mindset to start to, to pick up and identify the experiences or the emotions or the feelings that you feel are pulling you towards negativity. I've, I've found to be really important because I can just ask myself, okay, why did I feel that way? What caused me right now to feel a little bit angry or a little bit frustrated or a little bit sad or a little bit whatever? Or what caused me to feel really happy? And if you just start to notice those feelings and ask yourself, like, where did that come from? Then you can go, oh, it came from this. I read this email and here's why it made me upset. And you process that. And now when that happens again, you see it differently. Yeah. And so for, for me, mindset is all about just strengthening, right? It's, it's something that you can never be 100%. No. Yeah. You can only get better and better at it if you choose to, to, to kind of accept it as an opportunity. So many people, you know, go about their every day without even considering their mind. Yeah. They're just doing. Yeah. And these are the people that typically are more negative. They're typically the ones that, you know, always think the glass is half, half full instead of being half empty, uh, or sorry, half empty instead of being half full. Yeah. Right. And listen, we all make mistakes. We all encounter challenges. We all feel fear. This is a normal part of life. You know, business, you should be enjoying the journey, recognizing that like life is too short to just go, yeah, I want to have $10 million in the bank or whatever yeah. that number is for yeah. you. And, um, you know, I'm just going to work to that and sacrifice my life and sacrifice my family. And like, if I don't have, if I don't reach that result and I've failed, yeah. a lot of people live, live that way. And that number might be a million, 10 million, a hundred million, a billion, whatever, doesn't matter. But instead just look at every single day, like you're alive, yeah, right? Just enjoy it yeah. and enjoy that process. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. That's all part of it. All of that makes you stronger if, if you embrace it. And so, you know, the young me, I certainly was much more focused on the goal at the yes, beginning. I didn't yeah. recognize that the journey was important. And I think that's, that's really normal when yes, you're, when you're sure. younger, Yeah. right? I was much more driven in my younger years around finance and making more money because that was my way to like prove myself. Well, as I started to actually make more money and find myself in a different position, that became a lot less important and making an impact and serving the community and mm -hmm. spending time with my kids and my wife and all these things, you know, my priorities shifted. So I don't think there's only one way to do things. I think, right. you know, people just need to find what it, what's right for them at their stage of life, but enjoy the journey, you know, be, find what makes you happy and find what challenges you and just, you know, day by day, um, lean into those things. Yeah, no. And I can tell from our previous discussions as well, that you really like what you do. You really enjoy what you do. You really enjoy the contribution that you make. And certainly again, that's something that another thing we have in common. And, and again, it's natural, you know, the competitive instincts come out chasing things and then sort of, even when you're chasing them, recognizing right in your mindsets. And, and it, like you said, just the recognition Oh, there I am. There I'm not being my best Chris. Okay, how do I be a better Chris next time? How do I manage that, you know, stimulus or that, you know, the stimulus to a better response on a consistent basis? But, you know, yeah. we've been talking about habits, but, you know, as you went from a, you know, that young person, you know, high school to now, a, a, you know, a really an incredible value creator in the world, what did you need to change about yourself over, the, over that time? Uh... Well, I think patience is, is part of it, really shifting from a short-term mindset to a longer-term mindset. Okay. Um, so, you know, probably in, the, in my earlier years, I was more transactional, 
I was focused more on making the sale or just generating that money or my time horizon was a lot shorter. I was okay. judging on a shorter period. As time went on, that time horizon has extended a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I, I now look and go, think about what will things be like, you know, when my, when my daughters are getting married. And yeah. So that, you know, my, my time horizon just has, has changed. When I make decisions in the business, those decisions are not based on what's just going to happen like today, this week, next you know, this month. It's, well, how does this play out over the next several years? Yeah. And so I think that would probably be one of the biggest ones, just overall patience, focusing much more on the journey than the goal. Like everything we're talking about here, I mean, these are lessons that, that I've learned as well. Right? Sure. It's not that, that I uh, woke up and just started seeing these things right away. I'm sharing, and I think, you know, Chris, what, what we're talking about here today is, is stuff that we've learned over the decades yeah. that people coming into this hopefully can, can embrace, apply to their own lives, and then start seeing great benefits from. But it doesn't in any way mean that you will do less work, no. right? It just means that the work that you're going to do hopefully will be more successful and more enjoyable, but you got to do the work. Like yeah. I rolled up my sleeves at a young age and, and just hustled and do what I need to do to, to make things happen. Yeah. And, and when I break it and kind of like broke it all down, I mean, the reason for that is when you're starting off in any new business or any new venture or any new initiative, you need to take a lot of action. There's no way around it. The yeah. more action you take, right? Back to what we talked about before, the more feedback you're going to get from the marketplace, the more you're going to learn what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If you just decide to go like really slowly into it, then you're going to get less feedback, which means you can't make as many decisions, which means you have less data to make better decisions, which means that you typically won't be as successful. So that's where just hard work, especially the beginning of a new business, there's no way around it. You have to work hard. You got to put your head down. You got to, you know, I remember spending late nights just yeah. working, working, working. I don't do that anymore, but I used to because that was where I was at. Yeah. And I needed to be there because if not, it would have taken a lot longer to get to where, where I was. Like I remember many times, even in high school, college, you know, people around me, they were going out to, to parties and they were doing things and weekends away and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, Michael, like, you know, where are you? Like, why aren't you coming out? And I would still go out from time to time. I was a so- social person, but I spent a lot more time just focused on building the business. And the way that I thought about it was, well, I'm planting seeds right now that are going to really benefit me, you know, in the long run. And so that's kind of where I started to see it around that time. And I've leaned more and more into that. So I don't know if I'm really answering your, your question there, Chris, or if I'm taking us on a tangent. You might need to reel me back in. No, I think you are. And I think it's it's one of those things where, you know, and one thing as well for our leaders while listening, like a lot of these concepts you'll hear, and then it's like, you know, in a couple of decades, you'll go, oh, now I get it. And, and it's not that you didn't, you don't get it now, you still get it. And then you'll get it at a, another level. That's kind of also learning and actions is the more actions you take, the more you get it. And, uh, you know, our awareness grows over time. And that's, that's certainly something that you're saying. And those priorities that you have, like, I hope someone's priorities are going to change. Someone's worth a hundred million dollars or 10 million or a million dollars. You, you would hope that, that all of a sudden they recognize that that growing that bump of money is not going to make me all that much happier. Like the studies show that it doesn't, you know, so I should be really Correct. rounding out my life. Hey leaders. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the student works management program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path 
of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So, you know, one thing we always love to talk about, you know, is, is stuff that didn't work, you know, just because we know a part of being an entrepreneur, part of being a great leader is mistakes and failures. So what about mistakes and failures and, and, and how you learn from them? Oh, well, I mean, there's lots of those. <laughs> uh, I mean, I shared I shared one with you, right? And that's probably one of our biggest ones where we made a big investment only to find out that, you know, we had built without really getting feedback from the marketplace. Right. And so the, the lesson there is to get feed, to get rapid feedback, the more you know, feedback, the better. It's, it's very easy for people to build. I, actually, I wrote a lot of articles about this topic called kind of like the build syndrome, right. which is really about people will, will uh, fool themselves into feeling they're productive by by building and creating things that might be working on their website or a business plan or marketing materials or all stuff that they're, they're creating, but they're not actually getting out into the world. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't, then you're not going to get that, the feedback that, that you really need. Right. Because often the feedback that is going to create the most value for you is not the feedback that you get from within yourself. It's the feedback that you get from the marketplace. And that's, that's the scary part, right? But the more that you do that, the better. So that that's one. I mean, I've had a lot of, experiences like when I was building the business in Japan where something would happen. Like I remember one time I was in Osaka, we were working with a, a very large uh, um, company in, in Tokyo and I got a, a call early one morning. It was like 7.30 or 7 a.m. from one of our partners that we were working with. He was an ad, he was an ad agency uh, director and we were working together on that client project in for this company in Tokyo. And he called and he said, yeah, the client's really, really upset. They just, one of the ads that we had developed for them they had found, seen an ad that used the same photo that we had used uh, somewhere else. And they were like, they were very, very upset. And I didn't know that. I didn't know exactly what was going on when I first spoke to him. So, you know, I hopped in a taxi. I went down to his office. We talked about it. We, we went over it. I explained how that happened. Uh, and we obviously had to take responsibility for, for part of it, but it was also, it wasn't really our fault when we kind of reviewed why it had happened the way that it did. But what do we do? Well, Moria, his name was Moria-san, him and I hopped, went over to the uh, the Shinosaka bullet train station. We got on a train. We flew up to Tokyo. Well, flew in terms of the, yeah. on the train. It's like an airplane so fast. Yeah. But we went up there. We had a meeting. We sat down for three or four hours with this client, like just talking about stuff. And what was interesting was that probably for the first 30 minutes of that three or four hour meeting, we were actually talking about the issue. Right. And, you know, just kind of going over it. And then for the next three or so hours, we were just talking about other stuff. Right. Um, and what I learned at that moment is that it was all about the relationship. Yeah. That if we would have looked at that and gone, okay, yeah, like, no, it's your fault. And, you know, it, it's because of you, Mr. or Ms. Client. Like, it's, you know, if we would have been defensive and if we would not have folks on the relationship, we would have lost that business. Yeah. But instead of, of that, we went, we showed our, our dedication. You know, we spent hundreds of dollars to take a bullet train up to Tokyo to have th that meeting then to come back down later that day from Tokyo to Osaka, feeling exhausted, but we walked away with a relationship still intact, yeah. if not stronger, yeah. and then create a, a lot more business on top of that after it. And so that really instilled to me like the importance of relationships yeah. and not looking at transactions, but more about relationships with people. And also that when you make a mistake, when something happens, it doesn't really matter whether it's their fault or your fault. Just own it and as much as you can, 
right? And sit down and, and talk through it together. If I would have just responded with a quick email, which is, I think, what a lot of people do these days on social media, right? Especially the younger generation, right? I'm talking to all, all of you guys, right? It's, it's easy to, just, to send a text message or to send an email or to do something online, but you lose a lot of value in that because uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings that happen. And so instead, pick up the phone, right? Or do a video call. But yeah. you need two-way communication. You can't have a conversation where you send a message. Like, it's not, you can't do a one-way, That's right? It has to be coming together. And, and when you do that, you're going to avoid a lot of misunderstandings, miscommunications, and you'll be able to, to ideally continue to build on that relationship. So that was one, you know, big mistake. And I remember, Chris, at that time, I really, when going up, like even when I got that phone call and taking the taxi to uh, the ad agency office and then taking the train up, like I, my, my stomach was in knots. I, yeah, for sure. You know, I was sweating. I was so concerned, so worried. Here I was, early 20s, you know, very large organization, thinking the worst of, uh, the, you know, that could possibly happen. Um, and it all was fine, yeah, right? Yeah. And again, I think, you know, to me, it's taking 100% accountability you know, the big thing. And then second of all, going and doing it in person, you know, that we recommend the same thing so often. It's like, no, we've got to, you know, we can't be battering back emails. It won't work, you know, and, and yeah. if at all possible, someone's upset and legitimately they have a big reason to be, or, you know, again, it didn't work. Doesn't matter, you know, it, like right or wrong. We, you know, it really isn't a valuable concept. I like the concept of, is it working or not? It's not working. Let's figure out what happened. So it'll never happen again. And clearly it wasn't something you were trying to dupe anyone about and they they would certainly recognize that when you get to the facts of it so there's no uh lack of morality or lack of integrity around the situation it's just not working how do we fix it so that's awesome so what key habits do you, would would a young leader here listening want to steal from you what what what, what are some of the keys to your success uh all right let's go through a few so exercise is one which i think you and i both share yes. right i think it's incredibly important not only for your health but for your, your mental well-being. I mean, some of the best ideas that I have come when I'm running in the mornings or, or at the gym or whatever it might be. And I just, I think there's also a lot of science that supports this, the importance of, of exercise with creativity and focus and relieving stress. Uh, so to me, that's always been a big part of my life. And I, I can't imagine not. In fact, if I don't exercise, I feel like more anxiety. I just don't feel good, right? Yeah. So I, for me, exercise is, is huge. The other is reading or consuming information. So I mean, you you can see behind me here, Lots of uh, books. got a whole bunch of books on the bookshelf. Yeah. So here's a little interesting fact, Chris. I didn't actually read a, a whole book until probably grade 10 or 11. Oh, wow. I got through school reading like the Cole's Notes, okay. and summary versions of text or, you know, asking friends like, hey, what's this all about before taking a test? Like I just, you know, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. But once I got into books, I really started to enjoy them. And, and I remember actually I was in Japan and I went to a, a store there called Kinokuni. I picked up a book. Yeah, in English, and it was $10 or $15 or something like that. I remember walking out of there going, this is the craziest thing. Because here I can spend $10 and I can get someone's knowledge that they've spent 20, 30, 40, 50 years yeah. accumulating. They've made the mistakes. Mm -hmm. They've learned what works. And I can spend $10 and I essentially, I can, it's almost like I'm, I'm absorbing 20, 30, whatever years of experience for $10. Pretty amazing. How is that even that's the best investment you can ever make, yeah. right? It's just like the return on investment is, is infinite on that. So to me, that's, that's a huge one is reading. And then the third uh, key principle would really be about application, you know, taking action. Yeah. Uh, and what I say a lot to my clients is, is imperfect action. Uh, if you wait to have all the answers, you waited way too long. Uh, Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn, one of the co-founders or maybe the founder, 
he says something like, if, if, you're, if people aren't saying that your first version of your applic- web applications, but if you're your startup or whatever, your website, if, if people aren't telling you that it's ugly, you've waited too long, yeah. right? So the idea is you need to get it out there before it's just right. So I'm a very big proponent of, of imperfect action and taking action even if you don't have all of the answers. And then maybe a fourth, which is a really important one, is, is commitment and dedication, right? Knowing that things aren't always going to work out, but regardless, once you've, you've set a goal, once you know where you want to get to, then you just start taking action. And regardless of what happens, you keep going at it uh, until you reach it. Right. And we all are going to have times where there's a roadblock in front of us or we get knocked down. But if you're committed to something, it's very different. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's those that are interested and there's those that are committed. Right. The interested, interested people that are interested will collect information. They'll talk a lot about it. Right. They'll think about it. They'll plan about, around it. When, when push comes to shove, they don't actually take action. Those that are committed will do the same. They'll learn. Yeah. They'll, you know, they'll study, but they're taking action. And they're truly committed. And those are the ones that succeed while the other ones struggle. No question. You know, it's the, the you know, want to be leaders versus the real leaders who really step into it and crush it. And so one final question, um, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Lead through demonstration. I think it's, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, there's nothing more powerful than, um, than taking action and, and showing people. Uh, you know, this, this is the beautiful thing about leaders. I know the, the word leaders for some people, they feel like it has to be someone who's older or more established or more, you know, smarter or whatever it might be. But the reality is every single one of us can be a leader. For sure. You don't need any qualifications to be a leader. What you need to be a leader is you need to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you, when you take action, when you demonstrate, then people can follow you, right? They can learn from you. Right. And so every single one of us can lead. We can lead ourselves, right? That's also an, an important distinction is that leading is not only about leading others. You know, you got, I think you have to start by leading yourself through demonstration and through habits and through dedication and commitment. And once you're, you become good at that, then you can actually start to lead others and they'll get value from you. They'll, they'll see you as someone who's doing something that they also want to do or they want to be a part of. And that's how you start to, to bring people along with you. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, uh, Michael, I really appreciate you making time out of your busy schedule to serve our leaders and, and be a demonstration of, uh, you know, uh, commitment and action. So thank you kindly. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, continued success. You as well. Okay, cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.